Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, or chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. I'm going to try to pick this thing up and run with it. Uh, If I drop it, would somebody please pick it up and return it to its rightful owner? I will speak fast if you get done before me, listening quicker than me. Act like you're still paying attention. Um, We'll read the word of the Lord and we'll ask him to teach us. Beginning in verse 4, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind, is not jealous, love does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into an account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Father, help us to hear. Help us to understand that the love, your love, has been poured into the hearts of your people by your Spirit. And therefore, that supernatural ability is ours. Father, may we love as you loved us. And Father, as we continue to walk in this world, Father, may we walk worthy. Father, may we walk filled with. Uh, with the satisfaction that comes solely and wholly from the Holy Spirit. Father, may we give you the praise. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And Father, may we who are called by your name rest full weight upon what you have given us. In Christ's name, amen. Verses 1 through 3, Paul has basically laid out to the Corinthians and to you and I and says, you can have spiritual gifts and if you exercise them without love, you are either noisy or zero. Not only that, you can give everything you've got away and even lay your body as a martyr. And if you do it without love, it has absolutely no profit to you whatsoever. So basically, he's saying the importance of what is missing in the church in Corinth, what was causing all their struggles is that they weren't loving. They just weren't loving. And you see it today. Um, In Sunday school, I'm teaching on false prophets. False prophets love themselves and take advantage of the flock to better themselves, to push and promote themselves. Uh, They do it in very manipulating ways. But it is uh, growing and growing, I would even say exponentially. And the reason that I say that is because men and women want their flesh appeased. And to do that, the flesh will be seeking its own. And as it seeks its own, it will heap to itself teachers that will tickle their ears. And it is a danger. Uh, And it's interesting because in this text, in this letter, 1 Corinthians, there's no doctrinal issues. It's all sin issues. He's bringing it about and he's sharing it that you need to understand personal holiness. It's not a matter of who your pastor is. It's not a matter of who your elder or your Sunday school teacher is. It is a matter of you before a holy God. And how does your life, do you wish to be used for the kingdom of God or you just wish to coast through it? Because if you're coasting through it, then we can understand that you are seeking your own. You are seeking your own. Love, and, and, and he comes to a crescendo here in love, and he says, Love is so selfless, it never gets irritated. It doesn't get upset. It is so concerned about the welfare of another 
that it never keeps records, it never keeps books on the evil done to it. It is so zealous for the holiness of God and the health of a person that it never rejoices in unrighteousness. It knows that the standard of joy is always truth. So it rejoices whenever and wherever truth is taught and truth is lived. One of the things about love is this. It is not for the weak or the faint of faith. It ain't. It ain't. You see things in the New Testament on love. It says, I should put it on. Put on love. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14. It says, you should follow after love in 1 Corinthians 14 1. You should abound in it in Philippians 1 9. You should continue in love in Hebrews 13 1. You should increase in your love, 1 Thessalonians 3 12. Be fervent in your love, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8. And we're looking at Paul here now in verse 7, and they are ascending in order. You cannot separate these. Uh, We have 15 facets of love. When love shines into the crystal that is us, it is manifested in 15 different ways. It is not manifested in the best 11 out of 15. Because if it is 11 out of 15, then it is not love that is being manufactured. It is not love that is being seen. Love is not a feeling. It is not a, um, an understanding. It is not an emotion. It is a verb. It has an action to it. Love is seen. People keep telling me, they say, well, you know, I have faith. But you know what? I see what your faith is. It's easy to see what a person's faith is. I've never met a human being who doesn't have faith. And it is very easy to see what their faith is in. Same as with love. It is easy to see what men or women love. And we're in verse 7. It says that it bears all things. It literally means to cover in silence. It covers it. It's a mantle. It covers over it. When love finds a person in a weakness, finds a person in a wrong, finds a person in a trespass, love covers it. Just covers it over. I just want to cover it. It doesn't want to speak about it. It wants to help the person who is struggling stand up under the weight of this onslaught. It's useful, if you remember, because it is kind. Love is kind. It is useful. So it blankets it over so the person is not embarrassed. Yes, love does warn. Love does exhort. Love does rebuke. Disciplines. But if you're truly honest with it, it does all those in private because it has covered it. It has covered it. Because love believes all things. Love looks at the individual and instead of being suspecting, it believes the best in every individual. See, it has a silence over the weakness and then it believes the best in the individual shared with you a number of weeks ago, two weeks ago I was, I believe in all of you. I have been with many of you for many, many years. Uh, We have been through the the good and the bad and the ugly. We ought to make a movie. Um, 
But, but we have. We, we have been together through heartache. We have been together through schisms in this fellowship. We have been through the loss of loved ones. We've been through the loss of saints. We've been through the marriage of saints. We've been through the birth of saints. We've seen the increase. We've seen the decrease. We've seen the struggles. We've seen the fight. And yet through the, all of it, I believe in you. I believe in every one of you. I believe in the leadership of this church, those who are in the office of leadership and those who are in positions of leadership. I believe and I am totally convinced that you are totally dedicated to the person of Christ. I see that. I believe that. Because I love. When you love, you think the best of the person. You ever seen a a young couple in love? They never see the bad thing in the other one. And they're usually very evident to those who are around them. But they're just uh, in love. It's just the good. It's just the good. Do that on a supernatural level. Look at every person you come into line with and say, wow. Even when something goes wrong, love thinks the best. Even when it goes wrong multiple times. You know, the best illustration of this that has ever existed is Jesus and his disciples. He believed in the disciples. And I mean, let's be realistic. You look at it and you think, I don't know about this. Sure. And yet he took the 12, knowing one was going to betray, knowing that one would deny and the other 10 would vanish. So love believes. Love covers it. And then as it is covering it, it is believing in the best in that person. And the next thing that will come out of our mouths is, but wait a minute. What happens when I've thrown a mantle over it? They're they're in sin, and every time I turn around, they're back in that stupid sin. They just keep falling back in it. Then I say, you know, I believe there's good here. I believe there's good here. I believe there's good here. And, and, you know, I know love has a redemptive quality to it. And and I, I believe, and I believe, and I believe, and yet I keep watching this situation, and it just ain't getting better. I've walked with this person. I love this person so much. I get them up. I prop them up. They take one step forward and 19 backwards. I pick them up from the 19 backwards and they take 14 to the left. And I pick them up and I take 14 to the right. And I've only been doing this now for 10 years. I know I'm to cover it. I know I'm to believe the best. But if I keep going this way, I will have no hair. And what hair I have will be white. I will be on some kind of blood pressure medicine and probably some kind of nerve pill. But other than that, I should be believing, right? Have you ever find your faith and it kind of fades? Have you ever, have you ever just, been, just a little bit discouraged? Just, just yeah, I think Jesus already come. I think he's done taking the church out here and ain't nobody left. We're just all standing around here going, do, do, do. That would be number 14 in the 15 facets of love. It hopes all things. Listen, when you run out of faith, hold on to hope. <laughs> Maybe you even should just hang on to hope. Hang on to hope. 
Hope is the, the, the rescue line. Hope is the rope that can never be disconnected. Because love hopes. See, it's already covered. Love is already believing. I'm believing the best here. I'm believing the best here. But let's be realistic. Are there not some who like to stretch that one? And so you do what? You hope. You hope. It never disconnects. Love never disconnects. Hope never disconnects. As long as the grace of God operates, human failure is never final. Did you get that? As long as the grace of God operates, human failure is never final. Okay? Now, there are times when God says grace is done. The seven woes of the Pharisees. The word woe there is cursed. When Jesus says you are cursed, guess what? Grace has left the building. When he cursed Capernaum, Bethsaida, and Chorazin, guess what? Grace has left the building. Okay, there's no more hope. All right? But you look around, your co-workers, your loved ones, some of you have unbelieving spouses, some of you have unbelieving children, some of you are in just, just tough situations. But the grace of God hasn't stopped. You know, people ask me, so, well, when can a person no longer be saved? It's easy. When they're dead. If they didn't come to salvation before their death, they won't after their death. So up until that point, there is Bob. Bob Hope, get it? Uh-huh, never mind. <laughs> There's hope! There's hope. There is a time for church discipline. And yet there is still hope. Church discipline isn't to kick people out of the church. Church discipline is to restore the brother or sister. That means there is hope. Numbers have come through these doors. Numbers of people have come through this ministry. Numbers, numbers and numbers. Numbers have come through here for help. Numbers and numbers have come through for advice. Numbers and numbers have come through for salvation. Numbers and numbers. If all the people who had come through the doors of this church were still here, we'd have one of the largest churches in Colorado. We've had them come from jails. We've had them come from prisons. We've had them come from broken homes from abusive situations. We've had them come from drug uh, divorces. But there's still hope. There's still hope. So many have come and gone. And so many we've thrown a cover over. We've put a mantle over it. We never talk about it. We don't discuss it. I don't tell you the details of it. We just believe that there will be a change. Maybe my faith has gotten a little smaller. Maybe I've gotten even, I could feel cynicism coming in a little bit. But you know what? I can always in love hope. I can hope. It's that rope 
that every once in a while a pull on your heart it'll come to your attention you'll be reminded of it's amazing when you're sitting in a little aluminum can flying up over the north pole all the people who come to mind who have passed through your life um, that you realize they're pulling on your heart you pray for them you hope for them you keep hope being formed. I remember years ago I learned a very valuable lesson while I was instructed on this and then the person who instructed me has been borne out many, 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 many more times than that. Okay, he says, in your position, if they can find no sin in your life, if they can find no wrong doctrine in you, they will attack you personally. I thought, well, that seems silly. No, it's true. It's absolutely true. I've had some of the most vicious assaults on me as a pastor, as a Christian, that I have ever had as a human being. Some of the stuff that was said of me and uh, I was accused of uh, uh, was awful. I mean, I, was, I wasn't even accused of that when I was lost. And yet, those people who have done this I still hope for, and I have never stopped hoping for. Not for me. I don't, I don't need him to come and apologize or, or anything like that. I hope that God will open their eyes. Why? And that they will walk to the glory and the power and the majesty of He who spoke them into existence. He who knit them in their mother's womb. He who called them by a loving, merciful call. That's hope. It's hope. And it's amazing when you're sitting there in an airplane waiting for the next free thing. <laughs> How many of these people will cross your mind and you will, you know, and you're at 30,000 feet, so I'm a little closer to God. I can pray and prayers get there quicker. Hey, Lord, remember such and such. I thought about that as I was putting the finishes on this sermon that how many people in the last 10 days that I had come to my mind that I have known in my life who have uh, hurt either the church or themselves uh, and, and things that they've done. And, you know, and, and I've, I have been attacked personally. Um, how shall I say? A plethora of times. And yet I still hope for those people. Why? They're still alive. You know, are they saved? I think in most cases they are but their flesh can overwhelm them at times and the philosophy of man. See, because love refuses to take failure as final. Failure isn't final. God didn't accept that from Israel. Jesus never accepted it from the disciples of Peter. Paul would have never he, never, he wouldn't have pinned this down if he had accepted it from the Corinthians. And he wrote four letters to the Corinthians, which means that he had not given up hope. Many a loving wife holds on to nothing more than the rope of hope. That's all I got. I remember my mom and my stepdad, he was not saved and was a wonderful guy at times. There were times that he wasn't. 
I remember my mom just holding on to hope. I remember my mom praying for me and my brother daily for our salvation. And uh, I vanished from her life for I don't know how many years. No contact whatsoever. I dropped her a birthday card. And I was off to see the wizard in so many different ways. And that was the only time that my mom ever heard from me. And yet her hope was that God would save me. I had a grandma who died, and her only prayer was that there would be a Baptist preacher in our family. And as my aunt once said, she'd have never dreamed it had been you. <laughs> it's hope. It's a rope of hope. You see it in a parents to children. You see it occasionally in a friend to another friend. Uh, I remember Murray praying for a friend of his for 40, 56 years. For his salvation. Every day. 56 years. Very dear friend. Business associate. Uh, Andrew Marrier did a lot of the orphanages that existed in England. An amazing man. An amazing man. A man of prayer. He prayed for his friend every day. Met with his friend. Talked with his friend every day. He just hoped. My, uh, one of my closest friends ever um, had that for his wife. She was not saved. Still isn't. But he held out hope that she'd come to salvation, no matter what. And see, when all of your faith gets clouded in, when you're all in that kind of that funk that we get into, we've all been there. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's just clouded. When it's hard to see the forest for the trees, sometimes all you can do is cling on to hope. And you know what's amazing about those times when you get into that bleakness, when you're into that fog? We sometimes make the worst judgments at the time we think that they are the best. We do the dumbest things at the worst times. Because we don't love. And if I don't love, then I run out of hope. I don't give up. I don't say no way. I've lost. Faith is totally gone. No, love doesn't do that. How many times have you looked at it and said it's hopeless? You ever dealt with that? I'm glad you guys haven't. I deal with it at a moment by moment basis. Love doesn't step into hopelessness in them foggy moments. How many think uh, that they've made the clearest judgment in them foggy moments? See, love doesn't do that. When faith is on the foggy side, I'm, I'm struggling to believe that this is good. When it's cloudy, I can't see it. Love still hangs on to hope. See, when you see doubt, when you see despair, Do you understand that it's stealing, it's robbing faith? And yet in that, love still hopes. That's what he says here. It hopes all things. You know what all things are, right? That would be translated from the original language, all things. But how easy is it for us to get discouraged? You know what's amazing? Do you realize how hard it was for you to get saved? 
Did you know it took God's son hanging on a cross to get you saved? Did you know that? That's kind of radical if you think about it. And who's out of that line? I don't. See, here's something that you and I struggle with at times. God is still God. And He can do it. And there's times that I have to hope in that. Love is hopelessly optimistic. Love never stops hoping. Let me ask you a question. Whether you're dealing with a loved one, I I don't know, you know, uh, it could be a spouse, it could be your children, uh, it could be a situation, it could be a relationship. Let me ask you a question. Is it too big for God? No. We all sit here with our, no. God is great. God is good. Hallelujah. Right? And then Monday comes along, and what happens? Where'd God go? I think God just stayed in the church building. He didn't come out here. He didn't see what real life was really about. You know what you just did? I don't love no more. I don't love no more. What are you doing? I, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I just don't cover it no more. I don't want to cover it no more. I'm not going to believe all things, have faith in that situation. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. So what happened? You don't love. It's easy. See, love doesn't bail out. We have a, a, a tough time with that in America. We have a tough time with that in America. Um, I've seen that in with our brothers in Russia. Uh, pastor has building, been building his house now for four years. It's not a big house. It's only you know, maybe 1,500 square feet. And he goes and works on it when he's got time and his son's are big enough that they go and help him work on it. And I'm, I'm wondering how many of us today, uh, he lives in a three-room apartment right now and has for years and years and years. How many of us would live in a three-room apartment with two boys and a daughter? Uh, uh, one son is uh, 24, one is 21, and the daughter is 18. Uh, and mother-in-law in three rooms. By the way, two of the rooms, one is a bathroom and one is a kitchen. Okay, and in the process, I'm building my house. And I've been building my house now for four years. How's your hope doing? I hope I'm alive when the house is done. <laughs> or perhaps I shall be buried in the house next to the potato cellar. See, love doesn't bail, okay? Uh, Love doesn't bail at the first mistake. It doesn't bail at the 11 first mistake. 11 first mistake. You'd have to read the book. You'd know what I'm talking about. Because you know what? Because love is covering it, because love believes all things, and because love is hoping... Love waits. 
Okay, see, here's one of the things I was sharing just yesterday. Why, they asked me, why, why do you read your Bible as much? Because the question was put to me, do I read my Bible? Should I read my Bible to find my do's and don'ts? Okay, no. No, I don't read my Bible to find do's and don'ts. That'd be the most frustrating text you ever read in your life. It's full of do's and don'ts. Okay? I read my Bible, and I thought about this earlier this morning, that there are enough promises in Scripture to make my hope work. And if I read the Scriptures, I see what God is up to. I see what God is doing. I see how God operates. And therefore, I have hope. I have hope. You know what is amazing is, I mean, if you, have you ever thought about it? What kind of hope must Jesus have had? I mean, we see his interaction with his disciples, right? Okay, Peter, 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 who do people say I am? You are the Christ. You know, on that, so I'll build my rock. And then a couple of minutes later, he says, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And he's, no, you're not. I'm not going to allow it. And next thing you know, he's calling Peter Satan. You know, you're the strongest thing that I got going, Satan. (laughs) I mean, how hopeful are you going to be in that? You know, my strongest key is acting like Lucifer. Perfect. We're off and running now. God, you're going to take me to your right hand and we're going to leave it with these yahoos? You know, you think about hope. How would you like to know what the thoughts of every human being was? And how good would your hope be? Jesus knew what they were thinking. And yet he had hope. Why? Because he loved Because Jesus' love covered all things. Jesus' love believed all things. Jesus' love hoped all things. But what happens if I bear all of this? What happens if I believe all of this? What happens if I've got the hope in all of this? And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. No worries. Love endures. All things. That's next week. That's next week. See how it stacks up? See why you don't get the best out of 15 and say that it is love? It takes all 15 facets of love. Father, we come before your throne knowing that you are love. Father, seeing how you worked in your nation Israel, seeing how you worked in your son Jesus, how you worked through your disciples, Father, how you worked through your church, and Father, how you worked through each of us. Father, help us. Help us. Lord, I stand in awe of this text. The elegance that is here is beyond my ability to verbalize. 
And yet, Father, we stand today before you. This text, love, is you. And you loved us so much that you died for us even though we were yet sinners. Father, you have shown it to us. You've seen, we have seen your love. And Father, even this week, you have shown us hope. That because of that love, we have hope. Father, it is so easy for us, and you know this. It's so easy for us to be discouraged. And yet, Father, you say, look at my word. Know my hope. Know my love. Father, may we know that. Father, as we look around, it's so easy to be frustrated. It's so easy to be discouraged. And yet, Father, you bring Holden salvation to that young man. You bring the two young ladies out of Oriel. Father, you bring the pastors in the whole Oriel region. You show us Alexander and his church. He labored for two years. Two years, Lord, with no so much as a sprout. And yet, Father, he never gave up hope because he loved that town. Father, may we be infected with the disease of love. And Father, may we spread it liberally through your power, through your grace, through your mercy. Father, let us cover one another. Father, let us see the best and believe the best and believe in all. Father, as we do that, let us cling to your hope. In Christ's name, amen.